All right, guys. We're on to John 5. Last week, Pastor Brian, uh, Brian, Pastor Byron <laughs> blessed us with a great message from John 4. And next week, Pastor Rich is going to be blessing us with a great message from John 6. And this week, Pastor Brian is going to bless us with a mediocre message on John 5. So, no, I'm just kidding. It's great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but we're, I want to remind everybody, we're studying this book of John this whole spring for the purpose of, I just want to make sure we don't lose this in the whole thing, because we're doing it piece by piece by piece by piece. You can get focused on each piece and lose the big picture sometimes. We're doing this because I think that, especially in our culture these days, um, we really need a reminder of like who Jesus is, why he's important, and why the things he does are like the most important things in the world, and that you can't just... Uh, there's kind of a tendency these days, when you have, if you look at this from like sociology or whatever, there's what they call pre-Christian, which is whatever a culture is before they encounter the story of Jesus. Then there's a Christian phase. If they hear the God, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then they start to think differently. And then there's a post-Christian phase, which Europe entered this post-Christian phase a while back. And we're, as a country, entering it into it now. And if you say, well, what does that mean, post-Christian? This is kind of weird words I don't use. What they mean by that, usually, is they want all of the, the goals that Christianity introduced to the culture, like peace, love, healing, these kinds of things, human rights, these kinds of things. But we want it without Jesus. Like, you could take the, so it's like you want the kingdom of God, like the kind of thing we just read about in Isaiah 35, without Jesus being there. Or like without having to like have a king. So a kingdom without a king. We want all those values, but like leave the God part out of it. And that's kind of a lot of how our culture functions these days, if we're honest. We're like, yeah, nobody has a problem with people getting healed. Nobody has a problem with, you know, you know, good things happening and peace and love and, you know, give peace a chance kind of thing. And partly that's okay because it's not our fault that this is just the way our culture thinks right now, but it just doesn't work. This is the when I get down to the nitty-gritty of it. It just doesn't work. You, the kingdom that we want has a king. And so that's why we're going through John is to remind us this whole thing because it can seem like, what's the point? Like, why does Jesus have to be, you know, why are we even doing this whole churchy thing, you know? And I think a lot of us have started asking questions like that, which are good questions to ask during things like COVID because you're like, you know, I'm, I've had a lot of time to sit at home and evaluate my life and things I do, and I'm going to make some changes and these kinds of things. And some people go, what is this whole God thing anyway? And I don't even know what, like, why am I even doing this, you know? That's a good question to ask because it has answers, you know? And some of us are realizing that uh, maybe we never understood who Jesus even was, hence, this is what we're going to go through. So I want to, like, what we're looking at here is for an encounter with who Jesus really is. Maybe not who we thought he was. Maybe we didn't even know who he was. We want to encounter him for who he is and why that matters to us in our lives and everything. And John 5 is just another piece of that puzzle. And so this is another story of Jesus healing somebody. I'm going to tell you that that's, the, <laughs> that's kind of the punchline. Jesus heals this guy. But um, <clears throat> I want to talk about this in, in, a, in a backwards way. Because like what happens in the story is Jesus heals a guy and then people react to it. So I want to talk about their reaction and his interaction with them after he heals the guy. Then go back and talk about him healing the guy, okay? So it's a little, it'll help us see it fresh, you know? 
Oftentimes, those of us who grew up around church or have heard church stories before, we're like, yeah, I get it. Jesus is God, whatever. I, yeah, I get it. Jesus heals a guy, of course. He's Jesus, whatever. You know, like, I know this story, you know. And so sometimes you have to look at it from this side to get, like, oh, okay, there's, you know, you, you can gloss over these things. And so I'm hoping that we'll do that today. Um, so in the story, in the big picture, Jesus has just come from, you know, uh, what Byron was talking about, uh, meeting the woman at the well, talking about, you know, the living water and, you know, this new life that he's offering. And then he heals a guy. Like later in that chapter, he heals a guy's son who's sick, you know. And so Jesus has been healing people at this point. This story, he heals a guy. And then um, people get upset about it or at least start questioning things. And that's a really weird reaction, you would think, you know. Like you healed somebody who was sick. Why isn't everybody just happy about it, you know. And in that interaction he starts having with these Pharisees about this whole thing, he makes some pretty strong statements about himself being God and the Messiah that the Jewish people were looking for. So they start challenging him. They're like, hold on a second. Why are you healing this guy? Big, the big thing they were bothered by is Jesus healed a guy on the Sabbath, okay? Which they're like, you can't work on the Sabbath. Then he tells the guy, take up your mat and walk. They're like, who told you to take your mat? You can't carry stuff on the Sabbath, you know? And so they're stuck in, a de- in details and missing the point of what Jesus is doing. So Jesus in, in, starts in verse 17, I'm going to start at, where Jesus says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. So he's talking about himself and God as his father. So he's starting to make a case like, God is my father, which at that time people understood what that meant. They're like, okay, so you're saying like you're like God, you know? And that makes them very angry because they're like, you don't talk about God that way. You don't claim to be God. You know, that would actually be still against the rules in our culture in these days. When he's like, I am God, you'd be like, yeah, okay, no. You know what I mean? And so these people are having that kind of reaction. And Jesus gave him this answer. He was responding back in verses 19. Very truly I tell you, the son can only do, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, like th- this thing I just did, you know, so that you will be amazed. So again, Jesus is saying, I'm just doing the stuff I see God doing. And remember, that same language we've been seeing over and over again as we're going through John. He's just telling you what he saw. He just saw what he, you know, you just didn't believe him. Again, verse 24 through 27 and verse 30. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him, this is Jesus talking about himself, who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's talking about like everyone. Like remember two weeks ago, those were already condemned, were already dead. He's like... You can hear the truth now and live. This is what he's saying. It's coming through him. These are big claims to make. We're used to hearing this stuff because we've been in the church our whole lives. But if you imagine a guy coming up and be like, you know, yeah, I'm the one who's like healing the entire world. You're like, whoa, this is a big thing to swallow, you know. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son so also to have life in himself. He has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And then even later in John 5, 45 through 47, now he's making it very specific about Jewish messiahship, sort of. But do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe that he wrote, or what he wrote, 
how are you going to believe what I say? So he's even challenging them. He's like, you guys are searching the scriptures to find everything, and you're not finding anything. He's like, I'm standing right here, and you're not getting it, you know? So this is big-time challenging stuff. But so now I want to go back and say, like, how did we get to that? You know, Jesus comes in. He op- We've already said he heals a guy. How does that immediately cause this whole reaction? And how does that fall into, I never told the title of this thing is whole about trusting Jesus, okay? Which is what we as a society need to start doing more of. And I'm including every single one of us in that, especially those of us that think we know what we're talking about, like these Pharisee guys, all right? Because they were religious leaders at the time. Um, so let's go back to the very beginning. Some, this is verse one. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Most people think it was tabernacles. Doesn't really matter, um, I guess. Now there is in, in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool. This is, where we, this is what we need to focus on. Which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by f- five covered colonnades. Here a great number, number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And so you see again a pool, and if you remember light imagery throughout this whole book, water imagery. I mean, here we are again. There's water pots baptism, born of water in the spirit, he says to Nicodemus, he meets the woman of the well, at a well, I mean, so this water thing is important, and they're doing it on purpose, that's part of the whole story. And Jesus has been healing people at this point, so now he's going to a place where a whole lot of sick people lie, and so there's this, what, what the deal is with this place, some of your Bibles probably say this and some of them don't, is that there was a legend that at this place, this pool, is like a natural spring pool or something, that, it, that an angel would disturb the waters, and it would bubble, and whoever got in first would get healed. And he's like, did that work? I don't know. But people thought it did, whatever, you know. And this guy, you know, there's a lot of people there trying to do it, right? So forget whether or not that actually worked, okay? They all thought it did and were doing the best they could to do that. You get what I'm saying? So they got a problem. They're doing everything in their way that they know to deal with it. And Jesus comes in and finds a guy there. And it's a great number of people, it says. So there's a lot of hurting sick people here. That might sound a lot like us. (laughs) John 5, 5 through 6. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. I turned 40 on Tuesday, so this guy was messed up for just about as long as I've been alive. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So that's, that's a really interesting question. You know, partly you could go, well, duh. Like, what else am I doing here? You know what I mean? But imagine Jesus saying this to you. Do you want to get well? Or do you want this thing to change? You see? This thing that's, like, defined you now? Like, it's been a long time. Do you want to actually get well? The guy answers him, but he answers him in a really strange way. Uh, uh Keep in mind this. One, one, we have to give this guy a little bit of credit. He doesn't know who is talking to him. He doesn't have any idea. It's just some guy came up to him and said, hey, do you want to get well? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't say yes. He just says that. He goes, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So he doesn't just say yes. He does what I think a lot of us do when we encounter Jesus and Jesus offering things to us. Sometimes we don't know he's offering exactly. And then we say back to him why we can't accomplish what we've been trying to accomplish the whole time. 
So he's like, hey, do you want all this to end? And you go, well, it's, I can't. I've been trying to save money for all this time to do this thing. And, and I don't want to, like, take this out of the physical healing realm, which God obviously has the, you know, because the whole funny thing about this is when Jesus talks about healing the guy, he borrows language from Genesis. It's like when God made a man, he's like, he's saying, like, this is a creation thing. Like, I'm not working. Like, this is, you know, it's, it's different. You know, y'all, this is not the same as like a doctor even working. You know, this is, and the, the wording there is very important that he's doing that on purpose. So uh, that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. But the, the point I'm saying is that uh, I want us to take this beyond just the physical realm because I think it encompasses everything. All of us are starting to, we carry around these things, these disabilities, these in, in, he says like he's an invalid. We have these things in us. And when Jesus says, hey, do you want to get better? We start giving all the reasons why, why we can't which is, I think, just a normal thing, you know, because we're not ready. A lot of us, we just, we, it's, it's almost like it's too good to be true. Like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what, what, is, what is happening here. We're, not, we're just not mentally there. And I think Jesus is kind. So he just says to him, he doesn't get into like, hey, do you even know who you're talking to? Or like, let's make, you know, he doesn't even do that. He's just like, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, the man was cured. So even 38 years Jesus shows up, and at once, the man was cured. This is the storyline we need to start. And say, like, why are we worshiping Jesus? This is the kind of stuff, it's why. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked the day on which this took place with the Sabbath. And that's what started getting everybody upset. Jesus heals him instantly, and it wasn't something that the man was expecting. Like, just keep in mind, this ex- exchange thus far is, hey, do you want to get well? He's like, well, I can't get in the pool like anybody else. He's like, all right, we'll get up. Just note from this, this is often how God does things. It's kind of like not expected. The guy's not saying, I hope that God in human form shows up today and offers to heal me. It's not in his mind. Because even when Jesus says to him, hey, do you want to get well? He's like, I can't even get in the pool before everybody else. We're exactly stuck there so often. And the, and the further away we are from Jesus, the more we're stuck like that. <laughs> and when he comes up and offers it, you don't even know what he's talking about. You know? The good thing you can hold on to is the fact that Jesus isn't so worried about how much you're not understanding what he's talking about. He's going to do it anyway, and that's great. I mean, praise God for that, because we would miss so much <laughs> if we had to understand everything. And this is the kind of thing that happens when Jesus is around. But keep in mind what I read earlier. He can only do what he sees his father doing. He's only doing the stuff that God's showing him to do. This is the kind of work that God does. I'm going to tie in some Revelation, or I mean, uh, Genesis language also Jesus is doing. You know, so he's he's... What this is, is a picture of how God interacts with us. And you can read through it over a bunch of times. I mean, it's a simple script. Hey, you've been suffering a long time. Do you want to get well? I can't get well. I've been trying to get well for a very long time. It's like, all right, we'll get well. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't, except for the fact that Jesus is different than other people. Hence, why we worship him. You see what I'm saying? Hence the whole reason of studying this book. But the people, the rest of the people missed the point of what Jesus has done. And, Jesus, and so, um, verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. They asked him, they're like, who is this guy? Like, like uh, um, oh, sorry, I missed the verses, 10 through 11. So the Jewish leader said to the man who has been healed, it's a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. And he said, but the man who healed me said, pick up your mat and walk. He's like, what, what do you want me to do? You know? And then they, they said, like, uh, who, who, who told you to do that? Like, who, you know, and the man, the man who 
was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple, which he might have gone to the temple. to You would give an offering, like, I'm going to praise God for being well. You know, but Jesus finds him at the temple. We don't know that, but there's a chance, you know. And he said, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. And so he kind of snitches on him. Like, seriously, because you're going to see in a couple weeks when we get to John 9, a very similar story happens. And they laid him out the same way so that you'll notice the parallel between the two. And in that one, the guy doesn't exactly snitch on him. It's a little different. But this one, he's like, hey, it's that Jesus guy over there. Which, and that's when the whole thing we looked at at the beginning happens, where it's like, what? They're going to be all upset about this, you know? So, so, like, Jesus does something amazing, something great, and it does change this guy's life. I do think he's probably happy about it, but then he kind of snitches on him, and all these people are mad about it. This is a very weird story in a lot of ways, but you can hold on to this as an example of God encountering us in our everyday life. It doesn't always work out like, and they were all super happy. The end. I would say it probably most of the time doesn't. I, w- I want to work through just really quick a couple questions that if you're OCD like me, you might ask, and I'm going to answer them for you, at least to the best of my ability. As a kid, I used to be like, why did Jesus go to a place like this and heal one guy? Like, did he heal anybody? I said there was lots of people there that are suffering. Well, let me just read you a couple scriptures here. I, don't think I, I did not put these in the, uh, in the thing, um, but these are from other gospel just all around when, this is Mark, Matthew 8 16 this is again about Jesus another gospel when when evening came many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick all Matthew twelve fifteen. aware of this Jesus withdrew from that place a large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill Mark six fifty six. and wherever he went into villages towns or countryside they placed the sick in the marketplaces, they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. So there's plenty of examples of Jesus healing all of lots of people, you know. And so he goes into this place with a lot of sick people, and he heals a guy. But check this out. This is for next week. This is something you wouldn't bring up probably next week. But listen to how this starts. This is verse 1 and 2 of chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Now, in our narrative, we've had a couple of healings of the sick, so that's plural. This is definitely plural in, the, in our English here. But I think there's at least reason to assume um, the proximity of this happening to chapter 5 and the fact that he had to leave because the crowd is following because he's healing sick people. He probably healed people that were there. So I can think you could definitely put a solid maybe there. You can definitely say Jesus did do that kind of thing in other places, so he might have done it here. But you also probably, this is a good biblical lesson, you can't say he certainly did either, you know. So I don't really know. I'm going to say a solid maybe on that one, but I think it's within reason to assume he probably healed other people because <laughs> a crowd doesn't chase you out of town unless, you know what I mean? Like if, you, if they watched him heal a guy who'd been there for 38 years, I'm pretty sure they'd be like, hey, hey bro, <laughs> <laughs> Can I have one? You know what I mean? And he seems to be willing in other places to do that. So OCD people, he probably healed other people, but we know that he did that sort of thing. And also the, the very end of the book of John, this is a fast forward. There's this very interesting thing that says, and this is the stuff we wrote down about Jesus so you'd know who he was and what he was like. He goes, but, you know, this isn't everything he did. Like 
if we wrote all that down, the books that would be written probably wouldn't be able to fit in the entire world. So you always got to put that in the back of your mind. What God is up to is probably always so much more than we can ever know. Number two question, why did people miss the point about this whole thing? The answer to that, I think, is I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do think, I think some thoughts about it. When you get so used to not seeing God do anything, okay, you start to protect a little bit of what you can control. You know, and I'm not saying that the Sabbath law was a little thing that these Pharisees were upset about because, like, we talked about this a couple months ago. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's not like a, you know, when there's only ten and that's one of them. It's a big deal. But they were talking about exactly their way of understanding it, obviously missing some of the point of even that. But it was something they could control. Like, we're not used to seeing God anymore. You know, we've heard the stories of God parting the Red Sea, but we haven't seen that in a while. So we're going to try to, like, control the little thing that we can. And you stop by doing that, you start focusing on controlling the little things, you know, that you can do, and then you end up not looking for Jesus to do anything anymore because you're just focusing on the little things that you can do. And people, the Pharisees obviously, I think we're living like this. And in a lot of ways, the Pharisees, who were the ones in charge of, like, the law at that time, the Jewish law, waiting on the Messiah to come, were kind of a lot like the people at the pool. At that, at this, in this story. They are doing the best they can with what they have, but it's not working. It doesn't really work. It's not accomplishing what it needs to accomplish. And they just don't know it. They've stopped looking for God to show up. They stopped, you know, they, but they've turned into focusing on all the little things they could do. I got to get into the pool first, you know. It's like, but what if God shows up? The pool doesn't seem to matter anymore. Like, trust me, if, if I was sitting there and I'd been sick for a long time, and I see, and I'm, I'm, folk, I'm going to get in the water before anybody else. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then you hear like, wait a minute, there's a guy over there healing people. I'm like, I suddenly don't care so much about the pool. You see what I'm saying? This is what, what happens when you really encounter Jesus. You know, like that whole thing you've been focusing on for a whole time. And you get glimpses of this. Nicodemus is a Pharisee too. And he came to see Jesus a couple chapters ago. And he's like, look, we know you're different than other people because you're doing stuff that we don't like. You're not in the pool like the rest of We're not fo- like you're over there healing people. And that's the kind of people we want to be like. We want to be going there, you know. And I think they could have had a celebration, but it would have required them to change their understanding of who they are, what they're doing. And then they can't. And and so they revert back to control because it's safer. And the third question, which is kind of the same thing, is like, why aren't people happy, you know? And I think it's because of this. Jesus threatens the norms that some people... And some people benefit from these norms. You know, these guys were in charge, and they had power, they had money, they had respect, they could get things done. Then this guy's messing things up, you know. And that's how Jesus does. Because remember I said there's a kingdom, and he's the king. We're the dumb, you know what I mean? And so he can do those kinds of things. That's a good, that's good what I just said. I mean, we're not supposed to be the king. Some people feel safer in norms because they can get how that works. I get the pool thing. You know, the angel stirs the water, I jump in, I get well if I'm first. I get that. That works for me. This very limited healing thing that might not even work right, I can understand it. Water stirred, get in first, you should get healed. Bam, got it. Guys showing up out of nowhere and healing people with no apparent cause or reason, we don't understand. That's uncomfortable. That's what a king can do. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? (laughs) So it's safer to stick in the norms because you can understand them. You can control them maybe. 
or at least have interaction with it, try to get in first, you know, worry about all the rules, like the Pharisees, nitpicking stuff, be the people by the pool trying to get in first. Jesus is coming in and wrecking the whole thing in a good way. And the other reason I think is why aren't people happy is like, this kind of seems too good to be true. It's like, hold on a second. Like, you know, we've been waiting a long time for this Messiah to show up. Like, and there's been other people that have claimed it, and they've not done, they, you know, they've let us down. So we've had our hopes up before, right? Like, we're going like, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to believe he's as good as he says he is. You know what I mean? But the thing we can say is, prove it. And he does. And he will. Here, Scott, go ahead and play the prayer music in the back. I'm going to play it in the background. Because I think that what a lot of us are in the place where we've lost the ability to believe that God could change things or change people. You know, I suspect that just about everybody in that group of people, well, even if this pool thing worked, which I'm not, I'm a little skeptical, all right? You know, I'll just go out on that one. But you got a whole pool's worth of people waiting to be the first person in the pool. So first off, only if, it, if the waters are stirred, which I don't know how often that would happen, you know, let's just assume it's every day, once happens, like Old Faithful or something like that. I don't know if that's true. And there's a big group of us. Only one of us is going to get it. So if I get it, you don't. Or if you get it, I don't. That changes how you think about things. There's a zero sum. Like, if we use it, somebody else doesn't get it. So I better fight for mine or fight for what I can get, and you better, you know, you better do the same thing. And that kind of mindset shrinks your world down so small that you just lose the ability to even think that God could do anything differently. Whether you're a Pharisee doing it over here or whether you're the people at the pool doing it over there. So we don't want to be like that. Because when Jesus shows up, the rules change. And I don't mean the rules like the God's rules. I mean the, the, the rules we put up in place. Which might sound a little bit like God's rules, like what the Pharisees were doing. Or it might not at all, but it's still rules that make our world work. The world we live in. That small world in our head. A lot of us are living in that small world. And Jesus is the only one that makes a difference. That's why we worship him. So it all comes back to trusting in Jesus again. Because that guy, let's be honest, guy's used to being uh, invalid, it said. He's used to this. He's been in for 38 years. Which is, like, the, I think most people back then, because of disease and stuff, a lot of people didn't live past 40 anyway. So he's basically an entire lifetime of invalidity like most uh, many of us do we get so used to it you're resigned to it it's it's gonna be all right but i'm still wanting to be better and then some guy comes along and talks about pick up your mat and walk i think you could be like are you serious right now like what i'm trying to say is he could have not done it but they still had, Jesus maybe knew, like, let's just assume for the sake of the story that Jesus does stick around and heal a bunch of people. So many, though, so they have to leave town because he's got to get away from the crowd, you know, which I think might be kind of being implied here a little bit. 
he knows there's a lot of sick people there. Just like he knows there's a lot of sick people here. And when I say sick, I don't just mean physically sick. Like, don't get stuck on COVID right now, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, mentally sick. Like, spiritually sick. Like, the world we live in is far too small. And if I don't get my little piece of it, somebody else is going to get it. All that kind of thing. That's how we're living. But he knew that at least there's this one guy here that might still have a glimmer of... I got to go in and tell this guy, take up your mat and walk. And he could be like, are you serious right now? Because that's just the dumb... Like, <laughs> you know, like, that's, all, that's, that's it? That's your way of doing it? You know what I mean? He could have just blown him off. And be like, yeah, thanks, guy. You know what I mean? And you see some people interact sort of like this with Jesus. Like the guy whose ch- son is demon-possessed. And he's like, look... I believe you, but help my unbelief because I've gotten my hopes up before. You see what I'm saying? But Jesus knew that this guy was going was gonna to go for it. And he does. And that breaks, the whole, that breaks the whole framework. Instantly, the way the world works, you would explain to somebody. This happens, this happens, these bad people do this, this and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then in one moment, Jesus breaks that whole thing apart. That's incredibly unsettling to some people because they like to have that because at least I can hold on to this you know people don't change because you know that that's that's scarier you know at least I know what I'm gonna get when I put in put in the thing I get it out if I get in the pool first I'll win if I keep the laws God will accept me da, 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 you know I can understand this and I can get what I want out of it and it makes sense to me Jesus breaking that changes everything and for the guy who's hurt it's freedom it's healing you don't have to be sick anymore for these other guys it's scary because they're like whoa 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 we're in charge of things and it's like no i am you know the point about what jesus is doing is he can't do anything that's not true so what we can do is either trust him or not because he's either right or he's not but you don't get a halfway on this one. You don't get the guy go, you know, take up your mat and walk. He's like, all right, I'm going to like, I'm going to try it a little bit to make sure we're, you know. He said, take up your mat and walk. Are you going to do it? So I'm just going to pray and we're going to close. We don't need to close in a song. But we'll let the music play. If you want to pray and spend some time, that's fine. But I invite you to spend some time elsewhere another time this week and imagine Jesus asking to you because we've all got things all right if you've been alive you got things you might not be as invalid as the guy in the story but you got things things that are holding you up things that are keeping you down things that have broken your life we've all got sin in our life these kinds of things and Jesus is saying do you want to be well And the only thing that is needed for that is for us to trust him. Literally, he says in here, give me one second, I'm going to go back to it. At the end, when they're asking him the questions, like, who do you think you are? What are you doing? All this kind of stuff. He says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. 
for as the father has for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man by myself i can do nothing i judge only as i hear and my judgment is just for i seek not to please myself but him who sent me so jesus we thank you for this story of who you are and revealing of your character as kind and generous yet unrelentingly powerful that you are the king of the universe and that we that we can have all the freedom if we simply trust you and what you say about yourself and submit to you as king father i pray that you would speak to us as as we as we sit now before you or as some of us pray but lord in days to come if we sit before you and and imagine you asking us this question that you are asking us do you want to be well and father i pray that you would speak to us in those times even if our responses are like this guy explaining why we can't be that you would just say enough of that pick up your mat and walk and that the freedom would come from that as we submit to you father i pray that you would bless this congregation with life eternal life and life more abundantly help us to get well soon physically so we can get back together in person with the rest of the group and father we thank you for your love for us and pray that as we go from this place that we go forth with joy and if we're at home even alone if we've been stuck at home alone because of sickness lord that you would fill our houses with joy and peace and rest in Jesus name amen anyone would like to come and help me pray for pastor brian for his birthday any of the men in the church i'm gonna we're gonna gather down here and pray pastor brian's turning 40 on tuesday so anybody james oh he's gone